I'm sure you're ready for this. I'll do my best. Your best? Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and f*** the prom queen. Welcome to the Best Soccer Show. The best soccer show in the whole world. Here we go, best soccer show, backheel.com. Jason Davis, Jared Dubois, back live. Sunday night, MLS in America. Jared Dubois, rosters you know, flying that, Now over. that I'm attempting to kind of do a podcast on, on my own and do what you do, I'm realizing how <laughs> much I don't appreciate what you do on a show. No, I think you've given me p- plenty of love over the over the years for for steering the ship. And I don't just think the, the fact that you came up with "Here We Go" and I didn't even realize probably the first year you did it the same time thing every t- every show. Yeah, I didn't even realize that, and now I'm like. I, that is something so simple that I appreciate now every time when you it's, start the show. It's, I'm compl- like, it's completely a crutch, though. Like, I have crutches. I know what my crutches are, and I do them all the time. And, and this is something I do on, on Soccer Morning because we take breaks, and now we've got some ads and stuff or, stuff's happening, and we have to get guests on. I always bring the, There's a guy who says, welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. You know what I do? I go, welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. <laughs> I'm like, wait, why am I repeating what that That's guy says? That's five less seconds I have to fill. <laughs> Check. <laughs> there is something to be said for that. By the way, for anybody who doesn't know, yes, Mr. Jared Dubois is uh, reaching out into the world of game show hosting, soccer style, yeah. over at backheel.com. He's uh, checking out a new, t- testing out a new game called Called Game On, or is that what we're going with here? Yeah, the game shows we need to call it Game On, right. and uh, Trevor and I are, are working it out right now. We did a little test uh, show. We did uh, three different uh, games, and um, Mark Fishkin and Corey Ben were really nice to come on and do a test show with us. You know, it may like never see this? the light of day other than the one short snippet we put out on okay, Snap. No, no, it's, it's going to come together. I believe in you, Jared. I believe mm-hmm. you can do this. But I, what I like about mm-hmm. this concept, and yes, if you listen to the snippet, maybe some of the word, the rules are a little convoluted, and Jared needs to to get these things tight up a bit but that's yeah. gonna come i like about this game show this uh this show idea is that it's very much the price is right for soccer it's not one game and you play no. it and you win there's like little mini games involved like how do you get plinko into a soccer show i want to know <laughs> yeah you just draw draw you bounce the ball around and until it bounces off like alan gordon goes in the goal there's a few different mini games i got a couple other ones i'm, tr- I'm trying to think of right now it centers around a couple like main games will probably be on there a lot um, we did put probably the most convoluted game out there, you know, for people to listen to. And next time, I probably won't go as much into the rules. I'll just probably just start playing it. But it'll be kind of cool. We, I have a like, take for example, I've been thinking a lot, a lot of categories to play of uh, of what we call the Jeff Cunningham game, which is basically kind of a mix of Leonard Malton game and uh, something else. I don't really know. I can't really tell you how exactly it is, but the, it, we're gonna have themes. Like I've already thought of one in my head. Like one's good game is gonna be called one category is gonna be called Two Live Crew. And that's players that have played at least two different times in their career for the crew. Oh, I like that. I like that. Kai Kamara comes to mind. Okay, sorry. Kai Kamara. Yeah, don't be giving out answers. Come I know. On. But, but I, by the way, the Jeff Cunningham game, when I heard you name it that, it's fine. It's a good name for it. We played Six Degrees of Jeff Cunningham on this show like three years ago. Do you remember that? <laughs> we played a few games on the show. Things I may have to bring back for this once I start running out of ideas. We actually had an amazing game that we never kept up. This is one thing that we are notorious for around here, and I don't know how many Starting new things. <laughs> Starting things coming up with uh, Jared mainly comes up with amazing concepts, and we don't turn them into like regular bits. We just do them once and forget about what them. What was the game we played? I don't even remember it was now. Six what degree, was it? it was Six Degrees of Jeff Cunningham, and basically it was... You had to connect player. You had to connect two players through the teams that they played for within like six uh-huh. moves. So it was like Pele, and, like you could do Pele and and uh, and um, I don't know. Give me a give me a nondescript player, Chris Albright. Like you could figure out a way somehow to connect Pele and Chris Albright. Like it was it yeah, was, like a guy that played in NSL that was still was like on the national team into like 1990 maybe or something like that. Something that connects like that. to Don Kinnear, which yeah. connects to the guy in MLS. Yes, and then, exactly, yeah, on, on. exactly. It was a brilliant game. I thought I think that was ours. Unless I'm getting my, <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten more bad, the more good ideas than most people ever have. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't write things down. I actually finally made myself start like a notepad thing in my phone to write down ideas. So like, it's the worst thing ever because now I get all my ideas when I drive. I have calling you on the phone because I'm afraid I'm going to forget ideas before yeah. to tell you about them, oh, so man. I won't forget them. That is the best. That is the best. I get this random call. Jared and I don't really communicate outside the show that much, mainly because we're busy yeah. guys, not because we're not buddies. Through, through Twitter pies by the. 
most of it. Yeah, yeah, through Twitter. There's a Slack. Uh, there's a Slack account for the show. We we do some stuff there when we need to. But it, it generally speaking, we don't communicate vocally in real life. And mm-hmm. except in random times when Jerry Dubois, when the 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 idea bulb goes off while he's driving <laughs> the streets of, of of Ontario, California, and he's like, I gotta, I gotta get this. Somebody's gotta hear me say this, otherwise I'll forget it and it'll go. He lost to time, and you give me. A I, call. I, I'm like I'm like a flowers for Algernon kind of guy. You know, like it's like I get dumber as the day goes on, and like <laughs> I'm a genius for like an hour a day. Does anybody realize? Oh man. Do you think they still make kids read that book? I would hope so. It's a good book. Yeah, I, re- I mean, I, I remember reading it in middle school. I just don't know if that's still on the the the, uh, the reading list for America because I don't know what. I think I actually called you to tell you about Baller or Blazer. I think that was a phone call one. Did you? Yes, Baller or Blazer, I, Blazer may have been a phone call. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's a few of those. Anyway, yeah, yeah. We need more. We'll think of some more, and we'll play some more on this show. As well, yeah, sure. When when they come up, when Jerry brings them up, they're not going to get st- uh, stuffed into that bag that is game on. He'll we'll and at some there. point when I figure out who the right foil is for Jason Davis, he'll come on the show as well. <laughs> All right, we've got a, a lot of MLS to talk about tonight, and there's rosters like just coming out of every orifice right now, Jared from US hey. Soccer. We've got the senior roster for games against Denmark and Switzerland. You got a U23 roster for a camp in Europe. You got a U20 roster. Is that right? Is that the third yeah, U20 one? U20 roster is out as well. So, so we could do a whole show here just reviewing the rosters. I don't know that we want to go into every single name, but we do. We traditionally do review the senior roster and you stop me if you got a comment and maybe I'll jump in with a couple of things. Do you want to start there? Yeah, we can go with that. And I think maybe some of the I guess I, I kind of off the top, I mean, there's a lot of players. That, I guess we should cover the roster first. I was going to talk about some people that aren't on the list, but maybe for people who well, are listening to the show that may not know, maybe we should start with the list. Okay, itself let's do first. the let's do the list. And if you if we get through us, you know, a positional uh, grouping, and you want to say, well, so and so should be here, or so and so is not here, and I'm surprised by that, you can jump in with that. We'll open up the phone lines as well three four seven seven five six six two seven six. So you feel free to jump in here, even if you move us ahead. In the roster, happy to talk. Uh, happy to take your questions and your comments on this, um, and, and we'll get to MLS a little bit later. All right, so here's your senior roster again. You've got games coming up against Denmark. By the way, we're, I have a note on that Denmark game. It's probably going to be played against Scrubs because Denmark's national team uh, union is in a in a, a dispute. I thought they settled. Did, Did they, they settle this weekend? Maybe. Okay. Maybe that happened this weekend and I missed it. All right. Hey, I, Trevor, you could confirm that. I think I read that they okay. uh, they settled this weekend. Okay. But, uh, then that's good. It, Trevor confirmed that for us. Okay. So we'll get that. We'll get that confirmed. But you got the games. Uh, you got the games against uh, Denmark, um, and then and then six days later Switzerland. So Wednesday and then the following Tuesday, I believe, is the way that that works. Right. All right. Your goalkeepers, yeah. Cody Cropper from Southampton. Long youth uh, youth team member Nick Romando, Real Salt Lake, and William Yarbrough of Club Leon. Yarbrough deserves comment because he is a dual international. He was born yeah. in Mexico to Texan parents. He has long talked about playing for Mexico and how he wants to represent Mexico. And I'm a little surprised he's accepted this call, although he's not going to be cap tied no matter what happens. So you could see it sort of in a cynical way. Well, he's accepting the offer from the first country that came and asked him. Um, or you could just imagine that maybe he's uh, open to the U.S. more than we thought. And as we get through this roster, there's another player that kind of falls in the same category right now in terms of dual citizens that won't be cut, won't be bound through this. But yeah, I, I think one of the things that really pops off your, if you're out of your head if you don't know the news already is that uh, Brad Guzan's not in this lineup. And as a Euro-based um, t- uh, pair of games, you expect to see uh, Brad Guzan here and being the starter. Brad Guzan excused for this for personal reasons. Not sure what's going on there, but some kind of personal reasons are keeping him from being in the camp. Well, okay, I don't, I don't like to comment on that. I'm sure that if they're personal, they're personal. We, we leave that to the yeah. side. But don't don't forget that Brad Guzan once sort of hurt his cause with the national team when he decided to get married smack dab in the middle of some call-ups. I don't even remember when that was. Was it the Gold Cup a couple years back, I think? And yeah. that was not the best thing for him in terms of his national team. That, that being said, there's not a person out there, I think, that doesn't feel just as comfortable uh, with Nick Raimondo as Brad Guzan. Maybe. He does. I mean, look, I love Nicky Raimondo, but the, the height thing is an issue. I'm sorry, it is. I and mean, you can be as athletic as you want to be, but if you're losing six inches 
oh versus uh, Brad Guzan, then that that is going story to be. of my life. And, and by the way, <laughs> by the way, let me just uh, let me just drop this. Uh, this Damn dog, that's in a pro. Um, you know, with Tim Howard's form continuing to be a question, uh, this you need Brad Guzan getting games, especially had a Gold Cup where Tim Howard's not going to be available anyway because his, his sabbatical's not over, as far as I know. Uh, so mm-hmm. you, we would we, we need to see Brad Guzan leading the back line. All right, here's your defenders. Ventura Alvarado, that's the other guy you want to talk about, right? This is the guy that's in the same group as William Yarrow. He is a dual international. He plays for Club America. He's kind of come on in the last year, last tournament in, in Mexico. He was born in, uh, in Phoenix. So he has chosen to accept this call as well. And again, not going to count to him as far as I'm, no. as far as I'm aware. He could still get a call from Miguel Herrera at some point, but it's a good sign if he is a competent defender and the United States lacks those options, Jared. Yeah, I think um, one thing that's nice that you see over the course of this uh, lineup is that a n- number of uh, players called in from Mexico, players playing well. I think Club America maybe has a little bit of shine off their defense over the last couple of games of where they were at the end of last season, but Ventura Alvarado has been one of the big players for them over the recent stretch of games for Club America's defense. So really nice to see him brought in. Um, also, it brought in as a center back in this um, in this. I mean, this call up here, Michael Roscoe, Tim Ream, and that's about it. Then there's a bunch of other players, John Brooks, excuse me, and then there's a lot of other players that are, look like they're going to brought in for fullback options. And I think this is the first area of the field where when you look at, you wonder what is going on with some of the people not called up. You don't have a Matt Beasler called up. You don't have a Jeff Cameron called up. You don't have an Omar Gonzalez called up. So right there, you have three guys that played for you down the stretch in the World Cup just eight months ago yeah. that are not being brought up for a pretty high-profile pair of games. One of these players who already is overseas already. It, it is interesting. Let's go through the full group here. Ventura Alvarado, John Brooks from Art Berlin, obviously. Timmy Chandler, Greg Garza, Michael Orozco. You mentioned him. Let's uh, go ahead and uh, just for old time's sake, go ahead and Michael fucking Orozco Fiscal. Tim, uh, Tim Ream, as you mentioned, that's a return to the fold for Tim Ream. Breck Shea, who's just a fullback now. Let's let's uh, let's all forget he ever played midfield because it's not going to matter anymore. And DeAndre Yedlin, who has yet to see the field for Spurs. So you already sort of have some issues with playing time. John Brooks's form has been really up and down, maybe mostly down recently. Um, and I'm going to go back to the goalkeepers just for a second to throw in the note that people in Mexico who pay really close attention to Liga MX will tell you that William Marlborough hasn't been playing all that well recently either so this may be one of those things where mexico might not even want him um do you have anything else on the defenders before i get to robert uh, not too much. I mean, we can just uh, note that um, in this lineup, we'll get to in just a second, Fabian Johnson listed as a midfielder, not a, uh, not a, a defender. defender. I'm not sure how much we read into that. Loving the fact that Greg Garza called in. He had a uh, really sick move for Tijuana about a week, and uh, about maybe two weeks ago now. I don't know if you're out there. If you search, uh, probably search Greg Garza and, and Jif, you'll probably uh, find something really nice, a little piece of skill right there. Um, Outside of that, Tim Ream, obviously I don't think a lot of us are seeing what he's been doing, uh, but a lot, a lot of reports over the last year and a half have Tim Ream playing really well for Bolton Wanderers in the second division in England uh, championship. And then uh, Breck Shea, the newly converted fullback, looks like he's listed as a defender here as well. What do you think about Breck Shea as a future left back at the men's national team level? I, I, he's going to have to prove it at the national team level. Uh, he's, he's had a good start to the Orlando situation, and he's shown some good signs, but he has yet to prove to me that he is a defender, that he can defend when asked to do so. We know he can get upfield. We know he can get across. Uh, you know, I'd like to be a little In more consistent. In terms of depth, though, who's your starting left back right now, Greg Garza or Breck Shea? Oh, Greg Garza's ahead of Breck Shea. Let, let me get yeah, to Robert. I, I don't think Robert. he's even close. Robert's been waiting patiently. Robert from L.A. What, from LA. What's going on, man? Hey, guys. How's it going? That's good. What's Hello. up? Hey, guys. Uh, we're talking about the the, the roster. Uh, that's all I called for. Um, uh, who do you guys see gain the, the starting uh, goalkeeper spot? And also, I, I want to get your guys' opinion uh, on Julian Green, because you think he's going to be pretty good if he does play on the roster? Because I know, Jason, on, on uh, your show, you've been talking about reports on how he's been like not doing very well on his club team. 
I think I think Ramondo's probably going to start, right, Jared? There's really no doubt. There's no reason yeah, no that you would there. expect anybody else. Uh, to you start. may see Yarbrough or Cropper get a second half in one of these games, uh, or maybe one half each across two games, sure. yeah. and that'll just be Klinsman trying to, to gauge the depth of his uh, his yeah. squad. As for Julian Green, and we're getting to get let's get let's do the midfield group right now, Jared, and we'll hit on Julian Green. Your midfield group: Alejandro Bedoya, Michael Bradley, Julian Green, Miguel Ibarra, Fabian Johnson, Alfredo Morales, G, uh, Danny Williams. That's a return from him. Uh, and Giassi Zardis listed as a midfielder, which I think is a little interesting. Um, as for Julian Green, I don't like this at all. I don't like calling him up. Now, you could argue that this is a way to juice things for him a little bit, maybe get him a little, especially if he's not playing at Hamburg and you really think he's going to be a part of the team in the future, get him some actual playing time on a field in a competitive match. But it's been so bad at Hamburg for him, Jared, and he's he's hasn't developed at all since the World Cup. That I don't know. This I is mean, kind of par for the course for Klinsman a little bit, though, right? Um, how for how long did Breck Shea continue to get games even when he wasn't getting club time or wasn't the best at this club level? For quite some time, he still got national team games. Klinsman has a tendency to want to push know, players through this. Yeah, yeah. I, I look. I, I get that this is Klinsman's move. I just don't have to like it. No, I don't think you have to like it. But also. I, how many other midfielders out there, American midfielders, are missing the call-up instead of him? I'll name one. Here's a midfielder that I think is kind of oddly not present. Joe Corona is playing steady minutes for one of the best teams in Liga MX, and he is not in this lineup, and Julian Green is. And I think that may be a bit of a misstep here by Clemson. I also wonder if Joe Corona did something wrong, because Joe Corona was a guy very heavily in the rotation for Jurgen Klinsmann stylistically early on when he took over the U.S. job. Yeah. And now the guy's getting minutes for a very good team and not in the mix, and I wonder why that is. Well, okay, it's interesting, that because I could name a couple of MLS guys that I would like to see get a shot here and and maybe uh, if you want to say at the expense of Julian Green Julian Green's not going to miss any time the issue is that MLS is actually playing through this this window and we've got a question here via email that I'm, we're going to get to in a moment that sort of outlines a problem with that and maybe Clinton doesn't want to take too many guys out of their national teams but wouldn't you like to see Will Trapp in this group uh, Will Trapp would be glorious in uh, this group Graham Zuzi not in this group I mean, uh, I don't he's know got if an injury. really got anything to lose a spot at he's this got, point. Zussi's carry, he's still carrying an injury issue. They're talking about well, that. Let me, so a, let me throw a different name out there. A guy who's played very well over a year, and I think this is a personal thing for Klinsman, Benny Failhaber. Yeah, I don't think, I, th- I think he's done. I don't think he's... I mean, I was it a four-year cycle kind of thing? He's not the right age to really produce consistently for four years for Klinsman. Um, I don't know, maybe. I, mean, I don't think that Benny Failhaber, if he wasn't going to get in, if he wasn't getting a look when he was playing his best last year... Hey, Jason? Yeah, what's up, Robert? Hey, I just want to say I'm a... On the Julian Green thing, don't you think him being called up is kind of... We all know Clemson does things his way, but don't you think this is rewarding... Bad behavior or huh. poor attitude. You could you could look you could look at it that way and look. I don't think it matters what we think. It matters what those guys in the locker room think. I'm gonna let you go, Robert. I, I I've heard some stuff, Jared. I mean, there's Grant Wall has talked about this recently that there is some real discontent that they're tuning the guy out, and that's my concern. It's not that it's not that I have to agree with everything Klinsman does. I, I can think he's making wrong moves, but if they believe 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 in him in that locker room, if the guys who are getting called up regularly. Think that he's got this team going in the right direction. It doesn't matter what we think. If they don't, holy crap, I'm I'm scared now. Yeah, I think just as recently as this week, Grant Wall in one of his pieces reporting that there's a theme, uh, undercurrent of discontent growing again in the in the U.S. national team locker room. Um, and this coming, uh, I think we haven't heard much about this for two years or so since the Honduras game in in Denver. You know, the snowpocalypse one was seen to bind this team back together again, but. If I, you heard Will Trapp, he's not in this in this roster, and he spoke out after the last time around a little bit against Klinsman, and not against Klinsman so much as, but he spoke out more than you would think a first time national team call up guy would. And I think you look at Matt Beasler, not in this lineup, also questioned some yeah. of the fitness things statements made by Klinsman last time around. Two guys not back in the picture. It's more of a statement on Beasler not being here, but Beasler's. If Beasley had played lights out the last couple games and not been in this, I think that's something different. Because Beasley's performance hasn't been up to par, you can't really draw too much of a line between his statements and not being here because he hasn't actually yeah, played look, that I, well. I think you're, I think you're kind of going in the wrong direction here. I mean, I think there's a reason to think that that might be an issue. But a guy like Lee Wynn didn't say anything 
about yeah. Klinsman, and he's not in this team either. And again, maybe Klinsman's trying to balance not taking too many MLS guys. But here's a question. Yeah, Lee Wynn and Jermaine Jones both came back from injury, though. That's just true. This, this so. is true. They are they are working their way back. Lee Wynn's pretty healthy, but Jermaine Jones certainly not. Yeah. Uh, okay, let me do the forwards really quick before we get, get to this question. The forwards are Josie Altador, Clint Dempsey, Aaron Johansson, and Rubio Rubin. So you have two MLS guys, top-tier MLS guys. Aaron Johansson back in the team after his injury stretch, and Rubio Rubin, the, the youngster that everybody, <clears throat> that everybody likes, that needs to score more goals but does a lot of really good things here let's bring me to this question from bryce uh, via email why would mls give both rsl and tfc a random bye week the week before they play a nationally televised game against each other during an international break the game will be without romando gill saborio josie and bradley i have season tickets and i will be there regardless but i know many people bought tickets months ago thinking it would be a chance to go see our country's best players go head-to-head but now we'll miss the chance to see their players play in Salt Lake City for at least two years. Meanwhile, fans of both teams can't support their own clubs this weekend due to some unexplained bye week. Can you guys make any sense of why so many teams have bye weeks, but MLS can't work around an international break schedule? Well, I think you know why Montreal had a, a bye well, a week ago. And that is, uh, there's, there's a couple teams that are playing that they thought might be playing NCCL. Now he didn't mention Montreal in this, RSL and TFC. I think when the schedule was announced, I'm not sure we knew Josie was going to be a part of this at that point. So maybe it's not that big of a deal just missing Bradley in this. But also the schedule makers don't do this... How much do the schedule makers really have in this? For all we know... Toronto FC might have something booked to, to use that stadium that weekend, or RSL as well. There's other things that go into this than just fan concerns and, and the international schedule. No, I know. Every team's got to have a break sometime around the season. I, I, well, I don't I mean, look, look too much into it. He's got a point about the national te- nationally televised game, though. Why are you going to put them on television when you know Josie's definitely getting called up? Clint's definitely getting called up. They didn't know Josie's going to be on this team when they made this schedule. Uh okay, I guess maybe. I guess I, I guess maybe that's true. They need to be a little more flexible with that though. I, I'd like to see them be more, be more flexible. Do you have anything to and say? And I don't think anyone's making a television schedule around Luis Gill. No, this is true, but still, I mean, it, it's it's not great that he's not going to be there. Uh, by the way, you got anything to say about the midfielders or the forwards before we move on? I think forwards got right. I don't. Th- I can't really think of a forward that I would want in there over any of those four. And and Giassi Zard has been able to get squeezed in there as a tech, quote unquote midfielder, which I do think is more likely the place they're going to see him with the likes of Josie Alzer and Clint Dempsey oh, yeah, no. and uh, Johansson in front of in him. In this in this team, he ended up going back to that wide position that he uh, that he's played for the Galaxy. It wasn't his best spot. Yeah, usually the last twenty minutes of every game, he kind of plays there. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Uh, do you want to move on and do uh, do the U twenty three roster? I mean, I think this is a little quickly. interesting. I would say quickly. You want to do it quickly? All right. Part of this no, is I, I don't know how many people out there really are and well, know the density of these teams. Well, you know? no, no. I think I think it's interesting to to hear names we've never heard before because now they're on your radar. They're U twenty three. Now, are these guys going to be the guys who take the U S to qualifying? I don't think so. Most of them. But it is interesting to see some of these names. Maybe names, again, you didn't know were out there. Uh, your goalkeepers, Charlie Horton from Cardiff City. Never heard of him. Tyler Miller from Zweibrücken. Never heard of him. Defenders, Christian Dean from the Vancouver Whitecaps. I know him. Uh, Juan Pablo Esegueda. I know him. I can't pronounce his club name. Not even going to try. Shane O'Neill. Know him, obviously. Will, yep. pa- Will Packwood. Oscar Sorto, who Jared knows very well. Uh, anything, yep. anything to say about those guys? I mean, obviously, Packwood. Uh, I think uh, Oscar Sorto is a guy that's been on a lot of people's radars. You're getting a lot of talk, mostly used as a right back. I think, if necessary, can play in the center. But um, Galaxy's got a, a, a whole bunch of fullbacks ahead of him at the senior level. So I, I think it's going to be well before you see him featuring in any uh, MLS uh, the, matches. The names that you know and the names you'll be counting on to be the rocks back there, I imagine, are in O'Neill and Packwood, who have the most professional experience. Of that group, and, and come um, qualifying, you may even see a Cameron Carter Vickers or someone like that. Play yeah, up sure, to that level that, and well. that's what I mean. Like this, obviously, is not a this is not a team that you're going to take to qualifying just like this. You're going to have a lot of changes. Uh, Fatai yeah. Alash, uh, how do you say his name? Played tonight and uh, playing pretty well for the San Jose Earthquakes tonight. Yeah, this is the midfield. Uh, Luis Gill is in this team. Benji Hoya, who, as far as I know, is sort of looking for a club. The Fire don't want him. He's listed as a fire player. He's trying to go around Mexico looking for a gig, so that's interesting. Maybe this is a way to get him a look and, and get him a job. Ariel Lassiter from the Galaxy. I don't know him very well, Jared. You can give me some comments. And Will Trapp is on the U23 team instead of the senior team. 
Yeah, which is also a reason why, yeah, obviously, he wouldn't be on that team. Um, but it's important that Will Trapp gets the minutes. I think Will Trapp, the focal point of this, I think between him and uh, Shellis, excuse me, not Shellis Hyman, Emerson Hyman, um, I think are the two pinwheels of the uh, U23 team for the next cycle, for sure, going leading up to the Olympics. So as long as Will Trapp's there, I feel that that's a very good, consistent move for Andres Herzog. And I think, if I recall, I think this is the first roster announced with Andre Her- Andres Herzog as the uh, yes, as yes. the coach of it. Yeah. Yeah, can we call him Andy? It's just more American to do it. I know he's Austrian. Can we just call him Andy? Do we have to call okay, him Andres? What are we gonna call Jurgen then? Uh, Jurgi. We I don't know. That's even. That's a so Euro. That's not American at all. Well, we What's can, the American like, version they, of Jurgen. I don't know. I don't Jerry? know. There's no short version of Jurgen that turns into we an call American. Him Jerry. Name. We could call him Jerry, but that, that that's actually a, a derogatory name for the Germans from back in World War II. Oh, I guess it is. Hell yeah, so, I shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> I think the Brits kind of missed more. that one. Yeah, the Brits used it more than we did. But anyway, we're forwards. Alonso Hernandez from Monterey, Jerome Kisavetter from Stuttgart, Alfred Karoma Shams. Shams. Um, all right, he's uh, he he. I don't know. Is he a is he a high school player? Yeah, I'm not sure because he doesn't have either a college or a um, a MLS club even at a development level uh, attached to him. So maybe he could be a high school player. I'm not quite sure who where he's at right now. I think I've heard of him, but I don't know anything about him. If anybody does, they can give us a call three four seven seven five six six two seven six. He may be one of those uh, uh, youth players being moved up to this team based on on age and and need. Uh, let's see who else is uh, in this team. Mario Rodriguez of uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, and um, Kiri Shelton, who's actually making a, quite a nice name for himself early in the season for an NYCFC. And the name you skipped was Jordan Morris, who we've seen in, in a senior camp before. He's yeah. obviously a player at Stanford, has yet to sign a professional contract uh, with what you expect the Seattle Sounders because he's their homegrown player. All right. Yeah, so, but deferred for one more year of college. Yeah, this is, this is again, this is a camp to run some guys through their paces. This is a camp to see what you're working with depth-wise. There are going to be other names. And... I think the question for a lot of people, before I get to Ray here on the phone, is why a guy like Julian Green, especially if he's not playing at Hamburg, isn't in a team like the U23 team rather than the senior team. And come qualifying time, he might be. But for the time being, it looks like Clemson wants to put him in this team. And look, we, we still, we're still waiting on the whole Gideon's LLM thing to play out, but I want to see him in the U23 team. I don't want to see him in the senior team. Not yet. I, I want to see him playing for the senior team if he's playing for Arsenal's senior team. But other than that, I don't think there's a reason to have him there. I think he's be, be more useful at the U23, U20 level. Um, I think you're definitely going to see him there if so he, should he actually uh, switch his citizenship and go for the U.S. Um, and Will Trap, I'd rather have him on the U23 than the national okay. team if they're right, going to be simultaneously. All right. Uh, Ray, what's up? Yeah, well, sometimes I think when we focus on these dual internationals, we look too much at an international player. I'm going to look at it from a club perspective. If you are a young 15 to 20 year old, very talented, uh, Hispanic American and a league is, a foreign league is seeking you like Liga MX, it seems to me that we're losing out at the cream of the, with those players. Uh, at the MLS level, you mean? Yeah. I think that's I mean, that's obviously true in some situations because they're they're the Mexican clubs off, operate under a much different structure than the MLS clubs and yeah that's that's a bad thing for the MLS clubs but it's just kind of the way things are right now if MLS wants I, I to think open part it up, of the problem is that you're seeing assuming, seeing these two leagues as equal I don't think these two leagues are well, equal yeah there's certainly that pay to profile anything yeah there's that look there's that to consider that that these kids who go down to Mexico because they have roots there are doing so not just because the Mexican teams are showing interest, but because that's a good league where you can make a name for yourself and clearly and money. Yeah. And obviously money. And they have academy structures that are much deeper, far ranging than what MLS clubs have. We, we know MLS clubs are getting better. I think that's just a natural progression over time. You could argue about how much money they're spending, but we know that Mexico, Mexican teams, especially the big clubs are going to just double and triple up on the, on the MLS clubs every single time. There's just no, no argument. Yeah. And right. I, think I, there's, there's I just would no agree with a hundred percent. I, I think uh, a club in America has been waiting for a face like uh, Alvarado to market their product to you know, more of a, a non uh, Mexican fan base. Mm. Well, you see club Leon is definitely taking, taking uh the Yarborough call up and use that to their advantage. And then they've congratulated him. They've done some things in English and obviously there's an effort there. 
Uh, I look. I, you need to thank Cholos for that. Cholos set the bar and said and started that yeah, whole absolutely. trend. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I mean, I, and clearly they're marketing to a, a portion of their their market is American, so that's an element yeah. for them. I, I think it's interesting to consider, Ray, what you're saying is a problem where you're losing out on these players to Mexican teams. Again, it's about money, first of all. But even if MLS decided to plug that leak, let's say let's say the MLS teams plugged that leak, Jared, don't you think it would just open up another leak somewhere else? I mean, you can't you can't run the league. Trying to fix that, you know, if you try to fix that problem, then you're ultimately, you know, you're, you may be doing damage somewhere else. Or you're, you're, I, I guess, first of all, I want to qualify this by saying I don't see it as a problem. I mean, if a, if a young American player is going to find a, a higher level than MLS to play at, that's not a loss. Okay. But right. if we're going to assume that it is, because I'm sure some people view it as a loss, yeah, I think it's an important one to plug then because the next best option is going to be farther it, it, away and harder it's, it's to get a, into. Okay, it's the a matter European of, leagues oftentimes don't allow too many uh, overseas players into them. It, it's a matter of how you do it. Again, it's a matter of how you do it. Um, I, I think it's worth addressing. Again, I just don't think you're going to take drastic action. And it's not as though there aren't kids in MLS academies and in MLS teams who don't get called up by, the, by Mexico at the youth level, for example. In fact, I just had a conversation with one, wrote a story on one, who's in the Dynamo system, Christian Lucatero, who is probably the Dynamo's best prospect right now, is going to go to Oregon State to play soccer because they didn't offer him a contract yet. And he, he got called up by the Mexico U18s after having, play, having gone into a camp with the U.S. U18s not that long ago. So he's got options. He's, done, he's checked them out. He checked out both of them. Maybe, he, in fact, I, when I asked him, I'm sort of blowing up his spot a little bit here, but I, I didn't get any information, so it doesn't matter. When I asked him if his appearance with the Mexico U18s Got him attention from Mexican clubs. He 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 didn't want to answer the question. So you tell me what that means. Well, well here's the thing. I think also here's the downside of Houston not having an official U.S. Uh, high, uh, excuse me, Dynamo Two uh, club in USL. They have an affili- well, affiliation coming, with the Charleston next Battery. Year. That's coming next year. I know, but they have affiliation with the Charleston Battery. But right now, that means that they don't have a place maybe to play this kid or a place to get him minutes to satisfy him. That's why he has to go off to college instead. Yeah. Okay. You got anything else, Ray? Uh, one one other uh, point that I'd like to make is about television. And uh, I heard that, I mean, I read an article that once over 40% of the fandom of MLS are minorities. Uh, and you would like to see a much more diverse panel of people calling games Ray, Ray, in English. Ray, you've done this before with me, haven't you? You called me up and brought up this yep. point before, haven't you? Yeah. I, right, right. It's an interesting point. Well, maybe we consider that. Gio in San Antonio, San Antonio is on the line. What's up, Gio? Hey, guys. I just uh, wanted to let you guys know uh, who Shams plays for. Um, seeing as how it hits a little close to home, he plays for the Aztecs. Oh, okay. Um, He's not listed as an Aztec p- uh, player. He's listed as a South Lake Carroll player, which I know is a high school. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that, but then again, Benji Hoya is also still listed as Chicago. That's and good point. As far as I can tell, he's probably with Santos Laguna, uh, technically. Um, so, but yeah, I think he is looking for a new club. A, 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 as a guy uh, living in San, in San Antonio, I'm sure you're uh, probably close with the Scorpions. How does it feel to see your boy Josh Saunders playing so well up there for new NYCFC this season? Um. Pretty damn good. Uh, you know, I take every opportunity to let anybody I'm watching a game with to say, hey, by the way, uh, you know, NASL champion right there. Uh, <laughs> That's good. Oh, the guy's got two rings. He's got a ring with LA. He's yeah. got a ring. In LA. He's got a USL um, uh, ring. I've seen it was NASL. Excuse me. I think yes. it was NASL. Yes. Um, so, I mean, he's probably one of the only guys in the whole league that has <laughs> that well, going he- for here's him. Another, here's another interesting thing about Josh Saunders that you might not know, Jared. Did you know that he's an international? Do you know that he's got Puerto Rico for Puerto Rico? That's right. Yeah, and it, uh, it's weird because I, to this day, I don't understand why the Galaxy has chosen to let Josh Saunders run, let him go, and since then, they've gone through, uh, I mean, Donovan, Donovan Ricketts, uh, well, actually, I think he drove for Donovan Ricketts, Pinedo, um, who's the, the, the dang Italian guy we had from Chelsea? Oh, yeah, Cudicini, yeah. Cudicini. <laughs> they had a great goalkeeper in Josh Saunders, who I know did something weird and took some time off in the middle of a season one time, and I don't, to this day, I I don't understand what it's oh, about. Oh, that, that was, I believe he went to rehab. That's my, that Something was, like that, yeah. But I just understand the cavalcade of goalkeepers since then. Even Brian Rowe getting some minutes here and there because Pinedo's kind of off. They let a really good guy get by him. And now when you watch him play for NYCFC, he may be the best keeper throughout the first three weeks of MLS so far consistently. 
Tyler Derrick would be there if he didn't have mental lapses every once, once every yeah, game. Yeah. You got anything else, Gio? Oh, yeah. I just wanted to say one more thing. Uh, you know, I want to give some love to uh, David Bingham also for the San Jose Earthquakes. He was also a uh, loan keeper for the first half of uh, our season last year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we got two Scorpion goalkeepers in MLS right now. That's good. So That's welcome. good stuff, man. All right. Appreciate the that, phone that call. Guy, that guy needs to, looks like he needs to get with with Jilly Duca and start like a Jersey Shore like MLS. I, I know he's not from there, but that guy looks so like uh, like Guido Juicehead. I mean, he looks oh, just man. like he's from, is he's that, like one of those guys. Is that right? Like, are you allowed? Damn, dog. In a if Snooky can say it, I can say it. Okay, whatever. Uh, let's uh, let's talk a little MLS, Jared. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of bummed that there's that there weren't any goals. I mean, what the hell? Well, we jinxed happen? it. You realize what? we jinxed it, right? What, you what said the last time we had a show, if it's a zero zero game, we're just gonna start going past. It. I know. I do. Did. You remember <laughs> saying that? <laughs> I did. And how? There's three of them. Three games that I can't that, were, that I'm supposed to based on my own rule. I'm not supposed to uh-huh. review now. Now we did reserve the right to to, to bring them up if we wanted to. Yeah, New England. Or if we have to. Well, okay. New England, <laughs> or if we need, yeah, if we need the time. New England, Montreal, 0 0. Colorado, New York City, 0 0. Uh, Sporting Kansas City, and Portland, 0 0. All three of those games produced zero goals. Now, I watched some of Colorado NYCFC. Uh, I wasn't uh, super impressed with anything that happened in that game, and obviously there were no goals. But I thought it was interesting to see uh, how New York handled going on the road, playing in the altitude blah 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 and and i guess they did fine i mean it certainly didn't concede but it wasn't a good performance either yeah but at the same time new york city the three games into their existence on the same amount of points as la galaxy and undefeated you know and they i I think you need to temper expectations a little bit with new york city fc they have a huge just like la as well they have a huge component of their uh, their team coming in midseason. I said about LA on Corner of the Galaxy this week. If LA can average 1.5 points per game through June, they've done their job getting to the point where they're going to be in good position for when Steven Gerrard arrives. I think New York City FC's ex- uh, is, um, expectation is even lower than that. If they can go in the 1 to 1.25 points per game through that point, I think they're going to be in position to qualify out of the East because we know the East is probably going to be an easier uh, division to qualify out of than the West. Uh, well, I mean, that's relative, though. I mean, it, look, if everybody's mediocre in the East, then you can't really say it's easier to qualify because everybody's on the same level. That, but I'm sorry, by easier, I mean it's going to take less points to qualify because they're yes, all going to give points to right. the West, I think. Yeah, okay, yeah, I, I think that's probably right in the end. So far, and let's talk about something good instead of something bad, which is uh, goalless games. And By the way, New England, they got some stuff to fix. I know they're going to get Jermaine Jones back. I know they're not quite where they want to be health-wise and roster-wise. But they need to fix some things. The, what I will say is that Dallas looks pretty good. I know Philly's bad, Jared. Philly's a bad team right now. Not yeah, sure rough. exactly what that's about. Um, they they didn't really do a whole lot in the offs. Aristegueta. Aristegueta. He's he's not bad. He scored a couple of goals last I like weekend. him. I like what I see out of him. At this point, though, I wonder if Sebastian Latou can keep being the guy that the team builds around. Man, I think they may have to go so a different direction at some point. Yeah, here. he runs so much. I don't know that he's uh, – it's he'll st- he still seems to be effective, but it's hard to really tell. Meanwhile, Dallas is just ruthless. They're just absolutely ruthless. And I had a conversation – um, with Kyle McCarthy a couple weeks ago, or maybe after week one or week two, I can't remember, and in which I asked him if they were the best team in the league, and he said he was concerned about their identity, Jared. That What is FC Dallas's identity? Moro Diaz doesn't seem to really fit within that team because they are... Since it's it went, funny, huh? It's like Valeri with Portland. It's a little bit you like look that. At, especially if you look at Valeri play, that is a quality player, and you can see it in every touch he has on the ball. But Portland is playing better right now without him than they did for long stretches with him over the last two years. It's a matter of style. It's a matter of speed. It's a matter of directness. I agree. Yeah, and- By not having Valeri in Portland right now, they're bypassing the center of midfield more often, and they're doing what, they're, what they were built to do, in my opinion, which is run. Yeah. And that's the same thing with Dallas. Yeah. Dallas wants to run. And when you put the ball through Mauro Diaz, granted, he's going to establish possession. He's not going to lose it. He's going to move the ball around. But then you let a defense get set. When you have a guy and I like think that's that. when Dallas struggles, when they let a defense get set. No, I absolutely agree. When you have a guy like that, because you, you, you need to get that ball wide and get those crosses into Blas Perez, where he has half a step on a guy and he's you know he's 6'2 or whatever he is and he can outleap um, where you can have Fabian Castillo on the break where you have Hollingshead mm-hmm. who has been really good so far this year on the break 
Um, in, in Portland, I think you're right. I think this might be an issue. We'll have to see how Diego Valeri fits back in. The opposite of that, the way, not the opposite, but the way you go with it, if you have that player and you want to leverage his talents to the, uh, to, to the hill to the most is what Columbus does with Federico Iguain. Now he's a more of a traditional, I mean, he's more of a pure goal scorer than Moro Diaz is. Maybe maybe a little bit more than Valeria. He's going to play f- much further advanced than Mar Diaz is. He's not going to track no, true. the same way Mar Diaz is going to track. True, true, but you still have him sort of pulling the strings there. And if you need to get some, uh, you know, you have you obviously have to got, have guys who understand movement and not movement where I'm sprinting for thirty yards. Movement in five yard spaces, Chris Wondolowski type movement. And maybe Columbus has figured out how how to play that way a little bit more. And as I said, Federico Iguain is a a threat to score by himself. And Dallas doesn't know exactly how to do that with Diaz. But then you question, you can't take Diaz out of the lineup. So are they going to be a run-and-gun team for the rest of the season? And that's the best way for them to play. And hell, they might be the best team in the league doing it. But what the hell do you do with Moro Diaz? Or are they going to slow it down, try to get I the I think best they're going to play the same way they have been right now. They're going to run with it all season. And they may even come close to a supporter's shield. And then what's going to happen to them, same thing happens every year. When you get into playoffs and you only play the cream of the crop... The teams that know how to recover defensively, the L.A.s, the Seattles, I don't think they can make it past those teams because they're too smart to play as open as Dallas needs to play to win. Well, I mean, Seattle's got some work to do defensively. I mean, I know it'll come around eventually maybe, but you also point, I mean, they also point to the fact that Dallas has strength defensively as well. They, look at that, Look at their, their back line. They, they do, but it's more about what the other team does, in my opinion, why Dallas can't make it to that next level is because they're not willing to change their style in any given day, game to win. They don't change the way they play in any game I ever watched. They try to play the same game all the time, and part of that's noble. But if you watch the Ziggy Schmids and the Bruce Arenas, they know how to adapt I think their they, game during the game to, to change I to what's going to win. I think that's unfair because I think FC Dallas did adapt last season. I think when Moro Diaz went out of the lineup, they adapted. And I think that they're carrying... They adapted over. to what they're doing right now. No, I realize that. But I'm saying that if, he, if this doesn't work, I think Oscar Pereira is a good enough coach that plan B is in, you know, he's got a plan B. He knows how he wants to shift things. He'll change that team. They'll start playing with the ball at their feet more often. They won't be running. They won't be so quick to run. They'll get Castillo's feet on the chalk, and rather than trying to get him out on the break, they'll use his width in a different way, and he can attack defenses from an angle, push the ball out out to the top of the box, and you create goals that way. I, there, are, there are other options, I think, for FC Dallas, and they have enough talent that they can be effective doing it. Where, do they finish above or below Real Salt Lake this season? Above. Okay, I above. feel the same way. I think that's going to be an above. I, don't but know, I also I think don't, that in a playoff match, I'm still going to pick RSL okay, over I don't over know. Dallas. I don't know what to make of RSL yet. They obviously had a bye. I don't know what to make of yeah. them yet. Let's see what happens next. I, well, actually, we can't see what happens next week because that game won't have that game won't have so many players. It'll be difficult yeah. to know if it, if it means yeah. anything. All right, other games this weekend. Vancouver beat Orlando in Orlando. I actually saw none of that game, Jared. You got any reports on that one for me? Yeah, that one really, if you talk to Orlando uh, supporters, it's coming down to the fact that they feel that Kutamana shouldn't have been on the field, has a two-footed tackle on the sideline, doesn't get sent off, and somehow that equates to them losing at the end of the game. You can't control that unfortunate was, and I agree, it should have been a red card, first of all, but you have to play through that. And I think you got a young team here that maybe isn't quite ready to play through those type of obstacles. Mentally, has elapsed at the last men- minute of the game. I think you saw a young team lose a result to a Vancouver team that's pretty wily and knows how to get something out of a game. Yeah, they're pretty young um, too. Really nice little flicked on header to the back post to uh, to win that. But I got you got to think that um, that's a bit of a lapse there by Vancouver. I see me by Orlando. Okay, and uh, the LA Galaxy with a one-one draw at home against Houston. Uh, that, that on paper that doesn't look like a good result for your boys. It didn't look like it live either. And um, I, I'll, I'll say this: I think LA had everything going for them early. Got the, the goal three minutes in for through Robbie Keane. It looks like it was going to be one of those nights where LA rolls uh, through one of its uh, longtime uh, 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 rivals. But uh, Dynamo answers back and through a really odd way. A really tall corner kick comes in, really high up in the air. It's uh, David Horst versus Omar Gonzalez, and I'll put my money on Omar to win that every time. David Horst gets better position, jumps higher, and wins the head ball, and Robbie Rogers completely loses his mark on Nathan Sturgis. And uh, Houston's 1-1. I think L.A. was a little bit shell-shocked by that. Um, I think they expect things just to go by a script sometimes, mm. um, and they did. this one didn't go by it. And the rest of the game, they were just a little bit off. And I think in this game, more than any of the other three games so far, 
you saw how much they miss Marcelo Sarvis. Juninho did not have... Husidic couldn't play up to the level of being able to contribute with Juninho and make something consistently work. I think Vernon, the new uh, Finnish player they have coming in, is going to be someone that can help with that. But it it shows you what may be ahead for LA Galaxy until Steven Gerrard gets here. Uh, I'm seeing some stuff on Twitter I'm not going to respond to until I can confirm it. So, uh, sorry, Vince. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the rest of these scores. Uh, we had New York Red Bulls and DC today. The Red Bulls take down DC United. Uh, apparently, the home team wins that game every single time in that series in the last like five, ten years or so. So it's no surprise the Red Bulls won. I, I, they they look pretty good, Jared. I mean, they they kind of they kind of. I mean, I'm, I'm not sold yet, and it's I, I, weird. I, I'm gonna say this: Dax McCarty may be the most uh, he he should have had an armband on since he was 18. He's that type of guy, you know. Like he is a fantastic captain for a team in the vein of like the uh, Roy Keens of past. You know, the guys are gonna put that armband on, and it's almost like a bulletproof vest. That they're just going to hide behind as they as they just demolish everything in front of them. Das McCarty was all over that field. Even showed flashes of creativity, doing the nice little chip passes. Um, it, it was very good performance by him. I'm still struggling to see Sasha Kleshton. Is he a center midfielder? Is he a wide player? But what you do know is that. Lloyd Sam is still the guy to focus on in midfield. And when Dane Richard gets on the field as well, wow, teams really yeah. have some problems in terms of just marking. I'm not saying in terms of being consistently dangerous, yeah, okay. but there does there is a definite matchup problem on the field with it for, for any team probably other than Portland or, or Dallas in terms of matching the speed on both flanks that in New York will have. Yeah, but I know Dane Richards well enough to know that I'm just not that scared of him. I just I'm not I'm not. I mean I, I want to see what he's got, I guess. He's the last. Marvel win of uh, midfielders. Yeah, he's yeah. He runs really fast, but it's not effective. What are you gonna do with it? Yeah, what? what yeah, show me something. I mean, the the guy's notorious for a fifteen yard touch. I mean, I just that's not gonna do it uh, at this level. I'll say this about the New York Red Bulls game as well today. Bradley Wright Phillips showed me more dynamic play than I thought he was capable of. He did a little bit more of that on reing of pulling off the back of the front line. Accepting the ball, creating opportunities for guys around him. So I, I, I think it was a, a, a skill set in this game I didn't know he necessarily had. We'll see if he has it game in, game out over a whole season, but I thought there was a really good uptick in his value and when we were all were discounting him without uh, okay. Thierry Henry this Fair season. Fair enough. By the way, Bill Hamid has got to make that save on Sam. I'm sorry. That's, a, that's, not, that's your near you post. You can't get beat near post. No, you can't do that. Daniel in Atlanta is on the line. What's up, Daniel? Hey, what's up, guys? We're doing a show, that? man. What's up with you? Uh, not much. Um, is there a sense of urgency in the words of Terry Twelman? Is there a sense of urgency <laughs> around what? No, you don't. No, you don't get it. It was, it was a it, there was a dumb comment he made during halftime where he was, he was just commenting on how twelve of the twenty teams, you know, uh, and then the coaches are like, "Oh, it's a tie. It's a good point. Whatever." Okay, I, I have no idea what you're talking about Atlanta, with, uh, with Daniel. I have no idea what's going on here, so I'm going to let you go. All right, let's move on because I, I want to get through MLS so we can talk about some other stuff um, around expansion and uh, the Miami situation with a story from Robert Andrew Pallet Howler. Um, but I'm going to address this from Philip on Twitter. He says, I, I only talked about the Rapids in the context of NYCFC, and I should give the Rapids some comment. I don't have anything to say about the Rapids. I didn't think they were very good. They sold to Sean Brown, which I don't really get. I, I don't see enough from from Sanchez. I don't see enough. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of them. I don't. I don't think I, they have I, any bite I, in the field. I think. Um, I know where you're coming from with them, and I think their issue is similar. And what we said is the Dallas issue. I don't know who the Colorado Rapids, Rap, Colorado Rapids are. Yeah. I don't mean that from a player, like the names on the on the backs of these guys. Even though a couple of them may be like that, but. I don't know what the Rapids team's theme is. You know what, you know I know else? that I like I like what they I like their young player Dominique Badji Badji. I, I, th- I yeah. like he had a great preseason. I like Gabby Torres. I like Dylan Powers. I like a lot of these guys. You know, I'm a Mark Birch guy. Yeah. But I don't know what them all together means. Right. Obviously, I like Marcelo Sarvis. I think it's interesting he was a sub in this game. I don't know if that was injury related or anything like that. But that's a guy you got to have on the field. I'm not a Sam Cronin guy. I think he makes every game he's in ugly, but sometimes that's necessary. So I yeah. get why he has a, a, a job in MLS. But I just don't know who. Uh, Pablo Mastrandi, I'll say that the most, 
the most uh, interesting thing about him and his, his team mustache. is his mustache. <laughs> Definitely his mustache. It is a uh, world class. The guy looks like he's supposed to be bartending in Dodge City in 1873. I don't know what's going on with that. And he was he's wearing a bow tie on the sideline. Like I dig the style. Pablo, I dig that you're trying, but you know, I don't know, figure your team out maybe a little bit too. It just it there just it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot clicking there in Colorado. All right, the last uh, the last game of the weekend, San Jose opening up Avaya Stadium with a two one win over the Chicago Fire. Um, you know, fantastic that they have a new stadium. I, I mean, I don't know what else to yeah. say. It looked it looked great on television. It looked way better than Buckshaw. It sounded good. The fans were actually into it. They sell that place out every time that they play at home. Uh, that's a that's a win 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 for MLS. I like that Dave Caval, the president, is selling this before the game as we have the biggest bar in the U.S. for a sporting venue. I know. I like that. Listen, I like that approach. Yeah. You know, he didn't say we had the most family friendly environment, which, by the way, have you seen the Johnson and Johnson commercial that came out this this week uh, with the partnership with MLS? No. Yeah. A, a, at the very end of it, it's about it talks about the family sport of soccer and the, the establishing a partnership. I'm like, oh, come on. That just shows we don't get it. Listen, I know we want, we need Johnson and Johnson's money. I get it. Is, but does that mean now that we have, we're somehow beholden to making this a family sport? I like what San Jose is doing. Give me the world's longest bar. That to me tells me you get the sport. Well, and we know that there's a rep, uh, at least in a couple of the groups down, uh, you know, out in San Jose in terms of their, uh, their chosen uh, way of behaving. I don't, I mean, we don't obviously we don't encourage that, but I mean, there's certainly an edge to the San Jose fans. So that's interesting in the light of some of the family stuff. And as you said, the world's longest bar. Um, when it when it comes to the game itself, the fire are just bad. In fact, I think we we've, we've got a race right now for the fire, the Rapids, and maybe Philadelphia. Who's the worst team in MLS right now? Ooh, um, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with. Well, man, only I want to say I want to say fire. Well, only but I kind of want to go with Philly because I think the. I'm gonna go with fire. I'm gonna oh, go fire. Okay. Only one team has zero points. Zero point zero. Only it's one fire, team has correct? zero points. It's the fire. Zero points. So perhaps just by virtue of that fact, they should get the title. And they don't look good. They don't. I mean, they, they got Harry Ship. And I like him a lot. When he's on the ball, I think good things are going to happen. But his teammates are just not there. They bring in Sean Maloney, and I don't, I don't know what that what the hell that's all about. He doesn't seem up to speed at all, and I don't understand what that issue is about either. And they don't have anybody to score goals. Mike McGee's not in this lineup, and maybe when they get him back, things will get better. But Quincy Ameriqua is a hard-working, average MLS striker. I like him, Quincy Ameriqua. I like Harry Ship. I don't like what I've seen out of Sean Maloney. I just think he's kind of vanilla out there. I don't see what they brought him in as a DP-level player to do. Um, I, yeah, there's a lot going on with Chicago, and I think Frank Yallop has this weird history now where he can't escape the fact that his teams are playing boring soccer wherever they go. Now, when I say that, the earthquakes weren't boring in terms of the dramatic ways they finished games. But the way they played the first 80 minutes of most games was pretty dang boring. Yeah, it was. Yeah. All right, I want to turn to a couple of things. First, Don Garber at halftime of that game out in San Jose talking to Alexi Lawless. Now, I was commuting to the studio here. I didn't get to actually see any of these comments. I've got a report filed by John Arnold over at Goal.com. So we've got some quotes. Jared, I don't know if you saw it either. But I did ba- see it. Basically, what we're addressing here is moving past 24 teams because Sacramento looks ready. They're built for MLS, Jared. Built for MLS. And I agree. I, it's, it's, a fra- it's a catchphrase, but it's right. And yet the league is focused in on Minnesota, which is that whole Midwestern footprint. We gotta, Jared, we got to expand out to the Midwest. we gotta got to get our footprint out to the Midwest, Jared. That's an important area for us. Yeah, just like the Southeast was, right? And we, so we forced yeah, that. that. We forced, well, Orlando was ready. Come on. No, Orlando no. was ready, but Miami, come on. We're forcing well, okay. that a bit. And here's the thing about Miami. It's in the news, not just because nothing's happened, and yet the league is sort of still eyeing Miami. I mean, across the bar. like, like and, and constantly, like, Miami's not doing anything. Miami's over there just sitting, uh, you know, s- sitting by themselves twiddling their thumbs, not doing anything. Beckham and his, and his people aren't really making any movement, and yet MLS continues to nod in their direction. So, why, of course, Sacramento should be upset. And this is also in the news because the guys over at Howler Magazine have a story out. You can actually read it. I read it at longform.org. I don't know if it's still up there, but go look for it. By Robert Andrew Powell, 
who wrote This Love is Not for Cowards and has been writing about soccer uh, for a long time. As someone you and I have both interviewed at different stages, and I think we both feel a lot of, I, I think he, uh, we believe this guy and then believe in him as a writer. If he says something, we, you know, we, we typically buy it because the, he's not the kind of guy that goes around making stuff up. And the reason that it even became an issue is because he interviewed Mar- uh, Marcelo Clore, who is the money behind the Beckham Miami bid. Clore is the CEO of Sprint these days, living in Kansas City. He and Robert Andrew Powell went to a game. Some things were said. Among those things was that Clore said he can't watch MLS. It's not, the quality is terrible, which is interesting for a guy who owns a team in the Bolivian League. But whatever. Yeah. Then, then apparently uh, the owners of Sporting Kansas City, including Rob Heineman, the president of the club, come into the room and say some things that are you know, not the best. Something like, if they strike, we'll replace you. No big deal, which doesn't make you feel very good about the way ownership views MLS players. And then the, mm-hmm. the sense that you get out of this piece, Jared, is if you read it through, it does not paint Clore in a flattering light. It does not paint Beckham in a flattering light as it pertains to getting things done in Miami. He talks to the mayor of Miami who said, I've talked to these guys one time two years ago. And they haven't come back to me once yet, even though they said, mm. oh, we're going to get in touch. Clore was supposed to talk to Powell for the second half of the story, turned off his phone or something. He could never get in touch with the guy. It, it, this is just shadiness. And, and part of this is that, Clore, like I said, Clore lives in, in Kansas City because he's running Sprint. Beckham lives in London, bouncing around the world, selling whiskey, selling uh, perfumes mm. and the like. He's never in, a, in Miami. Who's in Miami actually on the ground making this work? Who is, where they, LAFC can find 21 different people all living in LA to <laughs> help with their bid. Yeah, I, it does seem like it's kind of ownership. I would say a, almost a, a transient ownership, you know, in that who is the heart of Miami attached to this? I don't see it. Who's the organic thing that brings this club to Miami? And, and you know what? Fans and prospective fans, they can pick up on this. They know when they're being led on. And I think that's why you're not seeing a overwhelming grassroots uh, movement to get Miami a team on the ground in, um, in Miami. When you look at Philly and the Sons of Ben and, and, and other, other groups that have really tried to make this happen from a very organic position, Miami feels forced and it's felt forced from day one and it still feels forced now and i think the the soccer fans on the ground in miami they can smell it too well there look there, there's obviously a group and and i say that loosely because part of what Powell says in this is that the mls in miami guys uh, the southern legion perhaps aren't as deep aren't as strong as maybe they need to be or, or maybe a participation is at a low ebb. I don't know. I mean, and again, I wasn't there. This is all secondhand through Powell, but again, this is a guy we trust. If he says, I went to an event, there were five people there, that doesn't give you a good sense of the actual grassroots movement behind this team. And remember, you know, for for everything that we've that, that they've talked about, they've had this uh, this location picked out and this location picked out, it, it never seems... It, it, these things don't come to pass, and then we don't hear anything for months. It's not like... We're constantly in the news, and Beckham's down there on the you know in Miami on South Beach talking about how much he loves the city. He's not mm-hmm. because he's in London. He's not because he's in Paris. He's not because he's in Beijing. So if this is the case, and you have absentee interest that Clore, who is a former Miami resident but doesn't live there anymore, is busy, and you have Beckham, who has never been a Miami resident and is busy again, I want to know who's the guy driving the train because it in in uh, Sacramento, you've got the owners of that team who are residents of that. The, I mean, o- owners of that team who are residents of that city. You've got a mayor who's on board. When you're talking about Minnesota, you got Dr. Bill McGuire who owns Minnesota United and is pushing that through. When it comes to, you know, when it comes to these other Atlanta candidates, Atlanta, you have you have the owner of the Falcons who is Atlanta till to his core. Even though he's not from there originally, he's made Atlanta his city and he's the one pushing it through. Where is that Miami? You can even say about New York, for God's sakes. As corporate as that is, at least it has the Yankees on board. You know, I mean, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know, but at least I know when I think of New York, I think of the Yankees. So I do, I, I see exactly where you're coming from. I don't see what Miami has to offer me. And I'm not even from there. 
You know, I'm not from there. I should, I, when I think of, when I thought of New York City FC, at least I was interested in it and I wanted it to happen because I could see why it was necessary. I could say the same thing even about Minnesota. We can at least say, well, at least it gives us a team in the middle of the country and they have a nicely supported uh, uh, NASL team on, on the market right now. I don't see why I should want to go to Miami from a general soccer position because I feel snake bit already once and nothing coming out of there right now makes me feel like that's worth going through again. Yeah, let me throw this out there. Part of the uh, part of the controversy around this story and, and the reason that we're so adamant about trusting Powell, a guy, again, who has been a fantastic soccer writer for a long time, is that uh, both Sporting Kansas City and uh, Clore's people have denied the things that he wrote, direct quotes that Powell put into his piece. And in one of those quotes is Clore saying that MLS is communist and he likes it because it's communist, because the costs are shared and blah, blah, blah. And here's Garber addressing this. The last thing they are is communist. Our syst- He said of his owners, our system, our model is what's made this league great. It's what allowed this stadium and 13 others to, co- to have come, up from, come up, from, up from the ground up. It's allowed us to invest so much money in building the sport in this region. So, boy, the model is right. It's going to allow us to get bigger and better and allow us to be competitive with the rest of the world. So, there's a couple of things here, Jared. Let me if I'm Don Garber, I would have said that in the past tense. I would have said the plan has been right because it really projects what you think where the, 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 where the league is going, that you think it is right and it will remain right. At some point, you should, as a, as a commissioner, say, we are going to be good enough, strong enough, and stable enough that we don't need this. And I don't get that from when he talks. No, because it's not going anywhere. They are married to this, Jared. This is this is not this is this is philosophical intransigence. I mean, this is like this is like the 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 guy you know who who completely believes that the moon landing was staged, and no matter what you show him, mm. he will not believe that the moon landing wasn't staged. These owners are all in on single entity, and even if there's a couple of them who have a thought. Maybe we could go in a different direction. It doesn't matter. They're going to get shut down because the group of owners who are in control and the people in New York who are pulling all the strings are all in on single entity. And I don't even mind that they are as long as you take care of the the is the satellite entities around it, the players. The fans, if you take care of them and you want this model, I'm fine with it. Do all you want up, up top with it. As long as the league doesn't suffer, the players don't suffer, and the fans don't suffer. But you got to find a way to balance this. And right now, I don't know that they've balanced it well in terms of fan and player standpoint. I think on the field they're doing well. I even think maybe economically they're doing well. But I think there's ground to be gained still on the other two fronts. So if you're going to go with this system, prove it works for everybody not just for one entity of the league. And granted, it's probably the most important entity, being the owners, but still, at some point, 20 years in, we need to show that it works for everybody if it wants to continue to be the center of this. I've got to wrap this up. One other thing that Garber said in terms of the size of the league, he said, we never thought we would get uh, where... uh, We never thought we would get when we were at 10 to 14, then at 16, then we have a goal for 24. We're really evaluating going past that. We've got a couple more decisions we need to make. I imagine sometime in, you know, the next year or so, we're going to lay out the plan for how large this league can be. And again, I think the I think the build out, Jared, is something like uh, like 30 or 32 teams. I really think I really think that's where they're going to go. Six. I don't mind that. I just I'm worried about the pace. Six, four, six. You're on the air. Hey, guys, uh, Tim in Brooklyn, um, Cosmos fan, actually. And uh, in regards to your Miami thing, sounds a lot like uh, the first uh, owners of the Cosmos, uh, Kelmsley. When he first came in, so good luck with that. But on <laughs> what you were just talking about, uh, at what point is it on Sunio Galati's head and U.S. Soccer Federation to step in? Because it's not just MLS. You got an MLS blowing up. Um, you know, you're talking about, you know, over 24, maybe it's 30. You got, uh, Nassau trying to grow. They're at 10, but saying they want to compete with the quote-unquote Division One MLS, you got USL shooting up to 30 and saying, we want to compete or be at the quote-unquote, you know, Division Two of Nassau. And even, you know, NPSL, they're blowing up to, I don't know, what are they at now, like 70 or 80? So at what point does, you know, someone really need to come in and say, listen, 
it's not the Wild West anymore. We had a growth spurt. Well, now we, we got to start thinking about it. To, to the market, the market's going to dictate. And, and how do you? How do teams move up or down if you don't have Crowell? Which I'm fine. I mean, I don't think it's really. It would really work. But there's different ways of doing Crowell. There's different ways of having teams go up and down. But there is no one. There's not a defined way here. And there needs to be some better definition, and I'm 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 fine uh, uh, of how to how to deal with that. I'm fine with the division standards, but it's it's kind of a wild west of how many leagues can be in each division, no, or, and you. how do you move up or down? I'm gonna let so. you go, Tim, because we're gonna wrap up this show. But you, look, he's got a point that that somebody's got to be the steering hand, and I don't know who that is, Jared. I mean, we, we, we do have a, a situation in this country where because of the choppy history of American soccer, U.S. soccer has never been the, the, the complete authority here. Then MLS comes into being, and all of a sudden, because they're the league that actually is throwing money at this thing after the NASL died, they become the de facto controllers of all of the various pieces, or at least what they do dictates what everybody else does. And that's still true because... As MLS who sucks up all of these teams from the NASL or USL Pro, they're uh, getting promoted. Th- th- essentially, they are, and then it makes those leagues have to fill those gaps. And and I think he's got a point in terms of what I don't know if I want to put it on Sino Galati's head necessarily, but you have you have standards now which are supposed to protect the, these teams from going under the way that they used to, but you don't have much I- more. I think, unfortunately, the U.S., being 100 years behind the rest of the world, is having to build from the top down, where everyone else is built from the bottom up. And I don't think that's necessarily a problem, because look at once you've gotten an established, strong MLS, USL is now benefiting. USL is going to probably be the, whether we're going to call it or not, it's going to be the de facto number two league here pretty soon, given the relationships that it has. Whether it's going to have the the moniker or not, I don't know. But the market dictates these things. The market will dictate how many teams the U.S. Uh, at any level can support. And to take that back to what we were talking about earlier, the market has spoken and said that Miami is not the right place. Respect that. Don't force it. And I think if you'd let the market dictate some of these things, we'd be better off. So, I don't know, 32, 24, I don't know. But all I know is that if the people don't show up, they're going to tell you, they're going to let you know for yourself. I think that's going to have to do it. We went over time. Uh, Good question there from Tim at the end. Make sure that you go to iTunes and give the best soccer show a rating and review. I don't know what how many shows we've done overall, uh, including a lot of the the, the national team shows. I don't know how long we've been on the air. Like, I haven't even looked at the calendar to go, how many years is it? been since we started I, I have no idea at this point uh i do know that we, we just keep talking along and we're going to do that for the near uh, for the foreseeable future and you should support the show on itunes uh what else backheel.com slash store get yourself a t-shirt because that's a you big get deal. my man jason davis at j davis jason on twitter you can get me on twitter at j rodius and five times a week on soccer morning and make sure yeah davis. and by the way robert andrew powell on soccer morning on monday so if you're listening Ooh. to this live you should check that out um, and uh, make sure you check out Jared's brand new game show when it actually arrives in a real listenable format. Trevor and I are shooting for a uh, a show this week. We'll see if we can get it, make it happen or not. All right. Thanks, uh, thanks a lot for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. I am Mikkel Mårensen and Paul Sundeskere. Skin that smoke wagon and see what happens. It's John Brooks! It's John Brooks! Michael fucking Arasko Pascal! Duh and or hello! I'm Epic Win. Hey, Rodius.